0: A high Swung around. on high. This track. is tagged. Hammered it at, at the
1: track, track. high and deep right. Ball. That ball just got it's out. that was here.
0: hit a This, this is going to go to the rock. This ball's ball getting small. This is charged. right back at the track. Seems like the ball's had a lot of life the last couple of nights. We could go back to back. Here's Adamenko swinging a long one to left. We're going to have a tie ball game. He did go back to back. High and This is crushed to left center field. This is going to go for a home run. Way out of here.
2: This is. Is White Sox Weekly. The White Sox have been busy this offseason. They signed a couple of top free agents and spent some bucks in the process. Boy, this ball is hammered!
0: Closed up some holes. Inside corner, that is a dirty
2: dozen for Dallas
1: Keuchel. Goslin line shot caught by Gio Gonzalez, and they've added
0: some serious talent.
2: Back in a deep right field, and it is gone. A no doubter
0: for Yasmani Grandal. it! The proverbial window has begun to open. The Chicago Baseball Conversation.
2: Point right back at the track. On the flagship home of the Sox. It is gone. 720 WGN. Window open indeed. Good afternoon. 409. Mark Carmen with you. It's White Sox Weekly. And then our WGN Sports Central coming up until 7 o'clock. Busy show today, Chuck Garfine. Our Chuck will be with us about six minutes from now, NBC Sports Chicago. And then James Feigen from The Athletic coming up at 4.35. Uh, in the coming weeks, we hope to have Dallas Keuchel on the program, Rick Hahn on the program, as we will recap what has been an incredible offseason for the White Sox so far. Over $145 million spent. Edwin Encarnacion, the latest one-year $12 million bucks to DH for the White Sox in 2020. Now, if you're just learning about Edwin Encarnacion, you haven't been following your baseball too closely, uh, but that's okay because he has played in a little bit of obscurity. I mean, he was with the Toronto Blue Jays from 2010 until 2016, and I'm guessing many of you are not up late at night watching Blue Jays baseball. But phenomenal seasons for Edwin Encarnacion. You go back to 2011 when he started his run, or uh, to 2011, thank you, when he started his run of hitting 30 plus bombs a year. 42, I'm sorry, 2012, thank you, I'm looking at his doubles here. 42 in 2012, 36 in 2013, 34 in 2014 as he gets 39 in 2015, 42 homers in 2016. Then he becomes a Cleveland Indian, It's 38, it's 32, and then last year, 34 homers combined with the New York Yankees and the Seattle Mariners. That one's most interesting to me, number one, because it's the most recent year. Uh, also because it is hard for a right-handed hitter to take the ball out of Yankee Stadium. That is not uh, an easy poke, and... Uh, to do it in Seattle, too, is a nice job. So, this is a guy who you're expecting to come in, hit 30 or so home runs, be in the middle of that lineup. You're not asking him to do everything. You're letting Jose Abreu play first base, which is what he wants to do. You also give an opportunity a little bit older. These guys don't have to play every single day. So, you're getting some depth, some flexibility. Yasmani Grandal can DH. James McCann can DH. You got a whole lot of options for that position right now. And that was, was a position where the White Sox did not excel last year. A lot of guys struggled there. You've also added Gio Gonzalez, one-year, $5 million Pitch at the back end of the rotation. Might pitch out of the bullpen. Who knows? Yasmani Grandal, four-years, $73 million to catch for you. Play some DH. Be a leader in that clubhouse. And uh, I was surprised by that one, but that was the White Sox' first move. Incredibly aggressive. James McCann had a good year last year. Borderline great year, but the White Sox upgrading there. And Going in also on Dallas Keuchel, three years, $55.5 million for a veteran to pitch at the front of that rotation, take pressure off, and uh, just overall, you can look at it, the White Sox are going to throw out a quality starter every single day, and that is absolutely huge. You know who's taking notice of the White Sox right now? That would be Las Vegas. The White Sox, when the betting lines came out this year, they were 50 to 1, 50 to 1 to win the World Series. The White Sox, right now, 10 to 1. That means that Vegas thinks that the White Sox are very much in the conversation. How about to win the pennant? All the way down to 5 to 1. Las Vegas thinks, and Las Vegas always knows, that the White Sox have a 20% chance, 20%, to win the American League. One in five. Now that is not a rebuild. That is the window is open. You are absolutely in your run of years that you should compete. It is very clear that Jerry Reinsdorf and company want to go to the playoffs this year. Enough is enough is enough. Ricky Renteria started talking about it at the end of last season. Skipper, hey. No more incremental, we're satisfied with getting better. No. It's time for the rubber to meet the road and let's start to win some games. And by the way, I've been saying for a long time that the White Sox were going to be the next team in town to win the World Series slash win a championship. And right now, Chicago Cubs 6-1 to to win the NL. White Sox are 5-1 to one to win the AL. White Sox to win the World Series, 10-1. to one. Cubs are 12-1. to one. White Sox, considered by Vegas, more likely to do it this year than the Chicago Cubs. So in Vegas' minds, if we're just talking about the odds, the White Sox have passed the Cubs, which I think is a... It's a lot more fun to do it on the field, but that is a that's uh, that is a moment in the rebuild just worth noting. Chuck Garfine, our Chuck, is coming up here in a couple of minutes. Give the gift of White Sox baseball this season with a holiday pack starting at just $36. Each pack includes four ticket vouchers for the 2020 season. and You can add on opening day tickets beginning at just $29 more. Get yours today at WhiteSox.com slash holiday packs. Our Chuck, Chuck Garfine, next 720 WGN.
0: Edwin has had one three-homer game.
2: It's his first Yankee home run. It's 6-3.
0: That's what Michael I was off it at it, You know I caught it last at bat. But you know what? He's had
2: great swings. You could tell he was on a lot of pitches. Got a lot of parrot walkers over there now. Edwin Encarnacion. A couple of those homers with the Blue Jays. Want to walk off his first one with the Yankees. Now a Chicago White Sox. He's going to get harassed by Chuck Garfine. In a good way. One-year, $12 million deal. Ain't that right, Chuck Garfine? Welcome to WGN.
1: I don't think I'm going to harass him. Hello, Mark Harmon. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, But I will become a parrot head, I think. I'm going to (laughs) be listening to a lot of uh, Jimmy Buffett this season with the White Sox as he rounds the bases with his parrot or his invisible parrot on his arm. That's going to be fun.
2: So, hold on. For people who do not know, what is the parrot thing with Edwin Encarnacion? Okay, so he
1: does this thing where when he rounds the bases after a home run, he kind of lifts his right arm up, chest level, and he does it more for balance, I think, but someone had said to him, hey, it looks like you're carrying a parrot with you, and that kind (laughs) of took off. So when he rounds the bases, he's got this, it looks like he's rounding the bases with an invisible parrot Perched on his right arm, and I think you'll understand what I'm talking about when the season begins. Or you can just Google it right now and you'll see it.
2: Uh, we're we're going to have to get an active Google search going on here, and I, I probably should know the Edwin Encarnacion parrot thing, but I, I'm learning on the job here, Chuck. 12, okay. million, 12 million for Edwin, 5 million for Gio Gonzalez, 73 for Yasmani Grandal, Dallas Keuchel gets 55.5. You bring in Nomar Mazara for Steel Walker. Wh- which of those surprised you the most, Chuck? Which one surprised me the most? You know what I would say?
1: It would be the Grand Dahl signing, because no, there were no rumors. There was no speculation. I mean, we had been saying, oh, he'd be a great fit for the White Sox, but there was no report, no tweet, and we found out about it through a White Sox press release. So in terms of surprise, when it happened, I would go with that one. And, you know, I think we kind of... It, there was some talk about an Encarnacion signing, so that wasn't much of a surprise. Keichel ended up being that as well. Like actually, I put that up with Grandal, or maybe even, as I'm thinking about it, maybe a little more. Only because of one man and one man alone, and that is Scott Boris. It's a, uh, a Scott Boris client is Dallas Keuchel, and I had some reservations about whether the Sox and one of his uh, clients would be able to come to an agreement. This is a, a big deal. If you're a White Sox fan, because the Sox and Boris have not seen eye to eye on free agents, certainly premium free agents over the last decade. So getting Keuchel in house. I think uh, is, is a great sign for the front office and for Boris because Boris has some of the best players in baseball, and it was great to get Keuchel here.
2: See, I was getting bothered this offseason. Chuck Garfield, NBC Sports, Chicago, the White Sox Talk podcast, does great work, you love him, and he's joining us right now on 720 WGN. I was getting bothered, Chuck. Nobody will take the White Sox's money. People don't want to come here. Hey, man. If the White Sox continue to be at the top of the market like they were with Zach Wheeler, guys are going to come here. They always have. Albert Bell wasn't dying to be a White Sox. They made him the biggest offer. He came and played baseball in Chicago if we want to go all the way back. It, it, it's, this is not surprising to me that Edwin and Dallas and any of these guys are coming here. If the White Sox are putting their money where their mouth is, and they, and they are. So there's that whole people don't want to play your thing was bothering me.
1: Yeah, well, there's... A... There was something to it when you look at the Machado situation. You wanna go back, there's Torrey Hunter, there's there's you know, there's years and years of this. However, those people who were saying that failed to, you know, recognize how many players have wanted to come here. Now you can argue whether they were the right decisions to make or not, like signing Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn signed on the dotted line, other teams wanted him, he chose the White Sox. That's just one in particular. David Robertson got the highest uh, free agent contract ever for a closer. He signed with the White Sox. That's a little more recent. That was certainly right before this rebuild began. And I was trying to tell people they will spend the money. I believed in Rick Hahn's words. There were people, skeptics, who said I was carrying water for the organization by saying that. (laughs) But I'm just letting you know, that I believed in what he was saying. And, yes, I would be the first to criticize the the attempt that they made to sign Manny Machado. It did not work. But I saw that the Sox had money to spend, that they weren't messing around, that when they felt their window was open, they were going to be really, really aggressive. Jerry Reinsdorf, do you think he wants to sit and watch losing baseball anymore? No! So, Uh, I'm with you. There was a, 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 I'll call it a small but loud fraction of the White Sox fan base that had major reservations about the White Sox being willing to either A, spend money or B, find free agents to come here. And, you know, you you have the right to your opinion. I just happen to disagree with it. And now we're seeing uh, a different narrative out there that the Sox uh, are clearly a destination where free agents are going to want to play.
2: We're talking to you, the thirty-eight thousand eight hundred and plus people that follow Chuck Garfine on Twitter. Just, just so we can name that. <laughs> <laughs> that's who we're talking to right now. But uh, all right, Vegas has the White Sox, Chuck, as a five to one now to win the American League, ten to one to win the World Series. Clearly, wow. I mean, right? That's uh, yeah, that's that's crazy. Five to one to win the American League. Five to one. And, uh, wow. and they're, and they're, they started at, for the world series, they started at 50 to one. Uh, this is the win. So you can, whatever you can, I'm sure other casinos may have it slightly different, but they started at 50 to one and now they're 10 to one. So it, you had to do it on the field, obviously, but this is rebuild over window open. Do it now right? I mean, there's there's no going back here. A lot of investment, veterans all over the place, young guys coming, the window is open, and it will be open for a while here, but I, I think you can safely say the past, the, the last however many years you want to include, and it's a lot of them, that is officially in the past, at least from the mindset of the organization.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the rebuild is over. The winning window is here. How much are they going to win in 2020? I, I don't want to even start to speculate. They will definitely be an improvement on last season. I'm frankly a little surprised or actually something, um, very surprised that they are five to one odds to win the American league. That's a big jump for this team to go from 72 wins to pennant in one year. I'm not saying it cannot happen, but a lot of things are going to have to go right just in one year. That said, this team is going to be a whole lot better. They have plugged a lot of holes and you also have to assume that there are there's going to be some regression. I think the batting average of, you know, Tim Anderson is not going to be what it was. And you know, I'm not sure that Jose Abreu is going to leave the American League in RBIs again. But you're also going to see guys like, Eloy Jimenez get better. I think Macamankata can get better. You're going to add Luis Robert at some point, hopefully soon. You're adding, you know, you're hoping that you know Cease gets better. Michael Kopech will be here. Um, Nick Madrigal, so, it, re-
2: it keeps going.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the rebuild, though, is, is over. How much is this team going to win? I, I, I Let's see, they want to add a bullpen piece or two, I think, going forward. Um, and, you know, everyone was so upset about the Nomar Mazzara trade, and I just did not understand the, the venom that was out there. This kid is one year older than Aloy Jimenez. One year older, that's it. And he uh, was one of the top prospects in baseball just a couple of years ago. When he is right, he is really, really tough. And I think he had some mechanical issues that were going on with his, uh, his swing last season, start of the year, and then he kind of fixed it and was much better in the second half. And he's a guy that's not going to have to bat third, fourth, or fifth. I think the Rangers were relying on him. He to be down batting like seventh or eighth in this lineup. Nomar Mazzara batting seventh or eighth. Sign me up for that. I think he's going to be – he has a chance to be a big surprise for the White Sox. And could – I mean, if the Sox are going to win the pennant, they're going to need no more Mazzara to hit, like, 30 bombs. So we'll see what happens.
2: I mean, who knows how Ricky will do it. But, you know, and everybody's got their lineups out there. You could put Robert at the top, and Moncada could be two, and Abreu third, Eloy fourth, Edwin fifth, Grandal sixth. Tim could be hitting seventh. In that scenario, you got Mazzara eighth, and whenever Nick Madrigal gets here, bat in ninth. I – any way you slice it, you could flip that in a million different ways and you just feel comfortable with your lineup. You want to throw Tim at the top? I'm good. Moncada drops down to three or four. Or you could do it a million different ways. I mean, Ricky's got to be loving what's going on. His life has gotten a lot better.
1: If I was to guess what Ricky Renteria is doing right now, right now I think he is in his kitchen or in his office He's in his home somewhere, and he's filling out his lineup card, <laughs> <laughs> and and not just the the lineup card, but he's like making many different lineup cards right now, mixing, matching, and he's going to spend the next month thinking about this because he's like so ingrained in the game of baseball, he, he can't turn it off. And now that he has a lineup, I mean, I gotta, I mean, I'll defend Ricky Renteria in in this respect for sure. He has not exactly had. I mean, last year was much better, but certainly the first couple of years of him managing this team, he has not had the greatest uh, lineups to send out there on a nightly basis to win a baseball game. Now they've won a lot of games, not a lot, but I mean, I should say they've they've won enough. But many, many, many nights, his offense was outmanned from a talent standpoint uh, compared to the team in the other dugout. That is not the case.
2: Anymore. I mean, when you think back at some of the lineups they were throwing out there, and no disrespect to anybody, but that outfit. Right,
1: right. I'm not. I mean, (laughs) they listen. If I was to bring up any of those guys' names and said to their faces, they'd say, Yeah, we were, we did not have the greatest of lineups in 2017 and 2018. I mean, they will admit it.
2: They were starting three fifth outfielders. Three five. That's really what it was. I mean, and, okay. We don't have to think about that. Chuck, no. uh, always good to have you on White Sox Weekly, my friend. But before you go, do you think anything else is coming? There's Binacio Puig rumors and there's Nicholas Castellanos rumors. You mentioned the bullpen. Uh, a lot of guys, by the way. Uh, on the north side of town that are available that might look good uh, pitching for the south side, south side on 20, in 2020. Do you think anything else is coming?
1: I, I, I'm very, very skeptical about them signing Yasiel Puig. I don't think that's a good fit for this clubhouse. They don't need that. Uh, I don't think Castellanos is going to happen now. What I do see them doing is uh, looking at bullpen pieces. Personally, I'd want... Two arms in that bullpen who have postseason experience. Because if, if, if the goal is for this team to make the playoffs, there's no one back there other than maybe Kelvin Her- yeah, Herrera who has playoff experience. So I'd want that. And then there might be a veteran second baseman that they might sign just because we don't know about Madrigal and his readiness um, for – the major leagues, you know, I don't know what the timetable is that they were thinking, but it would not hurt to have a veteran utility guy who has playoff experience too. Um, I, I really like Brian Dozier, Jason Kipnis, guys like that. Uh, I'm not sure what their price is going to be, but I think, you know, that might be something that they might pursue as well as the bullpen. Definitely the bullpen, though, for sure.
2: Yeah. Start talking about second base, and I start wondering, where's Yelmer going to land? My guy, we're gonna miss Yolmer. But... I think Yomer ends up with the Nationals. Do you really? That's my guess. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's my guess. Uh, hey, he was he was a joy to have around. We will we will all miss Yomer, and we wish him well, and the, and the White Sox do as well. Chuck, yeah, I will I will be going through Yomer Sanchez withdrawal if he's not back next season. <laughs> I'm just gonna let you know. I might go to therapy. It's 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 gonna be work for all of us. The guy was great. Uh, yeah. But uh, Chuck, you're awesome. Thank you, my brother. Happy holidays. Merry merry. Happy Hanukkah, all of it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. See you, Mark. All right, Chuck Garfine, NBC Sports, Chicago, one of my favorites. Uh, Joining us, James Vegan, coming up from The Athletic. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox, 720 WGN. Jerry Reinsdorf dreaming about the playoffs. It very well may happen. James Feegan from The Athletic coming up in a second here. Reminder, the White Sox pop-up shop back at the Orleans Square Mall this offseason. Visit the White Sox store at Orleans Square Mall now through January the 15th. It's conveniently located across from the Apple Store, and fans can shop stadium exclusives and special promotions throughout the holidays. For more information, follow at White Sox store on Instagram. James Feegan stepping out of a Starbucks to talk to us on 720 WGN from The <laughs> Athletic. What's up, James? How are you? Happy holidays, my brother.
0: I'm doing all I'm hanging in there. I can S- say that.
2: So I read, well, I always read all your pieces at The Athletic because you do a phenomenal job covering the White Sox, James Fegan. you know this. I loved your piece on Dallas Keuchel and James McCann, and people may not know that back in the day, Keuchel was a star pitcher, and McCann was catching him as a freshman at Arkansas, that I did not realize that that had happened. You went, you went and found the research. Did you know about that? Were you tipped off? How did that come to be that that got written?
0: I had heard to get, I had heard that they were together at Arkansas. I didn't really know anything about the circumstances about it, and I certainly didn't know about like the season savings emergency relief appearance that uh, Keuchel had like coming and done in the middle of the College World Series. I didn't know about like James McCann, like. Resting away the starting catching job as a as a freshman, even though like he, he wasn't even hitting that well yet, it's just uh, they were that impressed with how much he handled pitchers at age nineteen. Most of the, the fun details I, I just kind of found out by, by asking around.
2: Yeah, it was it's a really cool piece, and I don't know if that had I'm guessing it had absolutely nothing to do with the White Sox signing Dallas Keuchel. That would you know, sure. hey James, you caught him in college. That would make no sense. But uh, there is a James McCann piece of this where you know if I'm James McCann. I had a great year last year. I went to the All Star Game. I hit pretty consistently all season long, and now you're kicking me to the curb to be behind Yasmani Grandal. And now you just signed a DH, so that's more ABs going away from me. I I would want to be traded if I was James McCann. Does that make it? I mean, he's not making that personality, but I would be kind of not feeling that great about what is what's going on. He's about the only guy that should feel like that right now. But I, if I was him, I'd be a little irritated.
0: It would definitely be something. On the flip side of it is, if you're James McCann, you have played for the rebuilding Tigers and the rebuilding White Sox back-to-back seasons, and now you're on a team that's kind of loaded with depth. Maybe this is more of an opportunity to be on a contending team than you've had in your entire career. You're kind of entering free agency, uh, no matter what. At the end of the season, it's not like you're locked in some hopeless situation for years on end. Uh, maybe this is an opportunity to kind of be used in matchups and then launch yourself to the platform to a starting gig down the road and, and maybe not lock yourself into the reputation of a guy who wanted out of the situation or, or wasn't willing to kind of be in a be in a kind of mixed situation. I mean, the last couple of world, world Series teams, you know, talking about maybe the Astros and, and the Red Sox before that and certainly the Washington last year, they had two catchers that they use regularly. And I think the ideal situation you look at the White Sox is that it would be something similar. It's not a situation where you really want to, as good as he is, you want to grind down, you has Monte Grandal you know, caveat and catch 140 games. You know, teams don't really act that way anymore, like they did with maybe AJ Pierzynski, who just you know caught just an absurd amount of games uh, during his White Sox tenure. I really think even if you're looking at Edwin Encarnacion, there's going to be at bats for McCann in some portion. I don't know if he's going to get to 400, but I don't think you want to necessarily assume that Edwin Encarnacion is going to be healthy all six months. That Yasmani Grandel is going to be healthy necessarily all six months. I, I feel like. McCann is not super low down in the depth chart where you really wonder, like, is it ever going to be opportunities for him? Zach Collins, I think you're more in a situation of yeah. how much am I the year? Am I just going to spend a triple A? Because that's definitely where he's opening up if you're looking at the depth chart at this point. But I think McCann is really the first guy off the bench if you're looking for someone to hit left handers as a DH. If you're needing any catching, I would be really surprised if there's something other than the situation that there was last year of him catching Lucas Steele seemingly every time just because their chemistry was that good. So I don't see him as totally like just a, a forgotten man at the end of the bench, but it's definitely not, uh, you know, number one catcher with a bullet like he was uh, throughout all that season.
2: I've been getting texts when people ask me, what do you think they're going to do with Zach Collins? Is he trade bait? What do you think's up for the White Sox and Zach Collins going forward?
0: I mean, ideally, I don't think right now his trade value is super high. I mean, right now, other, the whole thing with the White Sox, is that they believe they, they can make into a catcher and other teams didn't see him that way. So I don't think you can trade him to other teams like, Hey, this is your catcher of the future. Other teams are going to see him as a platoon DH type of guy. And at least during the off season, you always think you can probably find that on the market. Somebody who's not going to play necessarily a position for you, but can hit a little bit. Usually you think you can find that guy for, you know, you know, four or $5 million on the open market. a you know, Jesus Aguilar type of guy. Now, Mid-season is where you tend to have these emergencies. of are like, man, we really don't have a DH. Like, say the White Sox last year, they're just going through a different option. Maybe that's when the market sees Zach Collins tearing it apart in AAA, you know, providing lots of offenses, think like, well, we need an offensive boost right now, and maybe that's where his value spikes up a little bit. Now, maybe at the same time, the White Sox are in a position mid-season where, hey, we need some offense. Zach Collins is our best hitter in AAA, and he gets called up and he gets some opportunities. In the meantime, going in the spring, and maybe for some months while you're kind of languishing in AAA, that's not a great time to be Zach Collins, a guy who you feel like you proved yourself in AAA last season and does not really a clear Major League shot for you. But I don't think it's a smart uh, decision from the White Sox perspective to just kind of immediately like, well, we have some depth, let's get rid of it as soon as we possibly can because it doesn't make sense. I think they could, they should probably stash and hold him uh, for the moment to either use him or when his value's a little bit higher.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. And if if, he, if Zach Collins is really looking in the mirror and being honest with himself, he needs more time developing as a catcher and, and really his offense too. It wasn't like he was you know a lot of swing and miss there. So I mean I don't know if he's you know three more months or whatever AAA is going to make the difference there. But there's clearly some stuff that he needs to work on. Uh, all right, what do what do you think? When you look at the rotation here, James with from The Athletic with us here on 720 WGN. I mean, to me, that's what it's all going to come down to, right? Is Dylan Cease going to take a huge step forward? Is Michael Kopech going to be healthy and get through a season and be effective? Uh, can, can Lucas Giolito d- duplicate what he did last year it, it, maybe even build on it? I, they're, they're, the pieces are there, but none of it is really proven. So, uh, you know, a lot of optimism right now, but that's really where it's all going to come down to. Would you agree?
0: Absolutely. Uh hundred and ten percent. You know, talking to the people who do projections right now, you know, I know Chicago baseball fans love projections after Bakota last season with the Cubs. <laughs> but um, you know, they they have the White Sox as a winning team, kind of, you know, in that mid eighties uh win range. You know, maybe it's more towards eighty two than it is eighty seven, but the general idea is that they're capable to be a team that's really, you know, in maybe the last discussion for the final wild card spot. That's because all their their lineup is full of proven guys, young young, talented guys like Eloy, who might be even better than you know projections currently have them. Because we know their potential is high, and it's not going to have very good projections for their starting rotation. Guys like Dylan Cease, Ronaldo Lopez, Michael Kopech, those are all guys we know have high ceilings, but their production right now would suggest that they're that's a really mediocre rotation because they haven't produced the major league level yet. You could say that's because Kopech was throwing a start with a torn UCL down the stretch, and that's why. His numbers spiked, and the fact that Dylan Cee's only his first year and he's a lot better than that, that's all true, but they haven't shown it yet. So that's where the opportunity for them to kind of jump up and be really a team that seriously is competing for the AL Central and being a team that's maybe going to take a nice step forward but not be in the playoff hunt. that's where it's decided, is whether or not this potential is going to turn into real major league production because they are right to totally give these guys a shot to prove themselves, but also this is what separates them from from the contenders in the AL is that that those that group of starters has not really done it yet. Even Lucas Giolito, the average projection system is going to say this is a guy who was terrible one year and good the next. He's probably average, and we all think probably that Lucas Giolito is going to be a good starter going forward. But it's yet to have been proven on that year to year basis, and, and this, that's the big uh, that's the big jump to make.
2: Rubber's going to hit the road, and if 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 it doesn't work out, some of these guys are going to get moved along. I, I don't know. I mean, I would assume Ronaldo Lopez is probably first up there because he's been here. Seemingly the longest, I, and I, I guess, I mean, Carlos Rodon, he's coming back in the middle of the year. There's another guy that, um, if he doesn't pitch well, might not be here for a long time. I, lot, so the pressure is being ramped up, which is a good thing, by the way. That's, look, let's have some expectations. Nothing wrong with that. You did, uh, as we segue James here, you did your all-decade White Sox team, and in your rotation you got Sale and Quintana and Danks and Peavy and Burley. Who was the toughest one for you to leave out, if anyone?
0: I wouldn't say it's tough, but um, I would say Gavin Floyd maybe deserved to be there just in aggregate because of how uh, you know he gave productive seasons. But at the same time, I knew Gavin Floyd was not a, a sexy pick or someone who dominated or someone that felt like he got his entire potential. So uh, the fact, the value, trying to argue the value of a lot of 180 inning seasons of a four ERA. I didn't think anyone was going to be receptive to that anyway, so I just picked (laughs) TV having the one really good year in 2012, which kind of gets overlooked, I feel like, when people talk about TV's tenure, because it was also probably disappointing in aggregate. There weren't, like, a lot of hard cuts. If anything, it was kind of jamming people in who you probably didn't appreciate, but it was better to have somebody who was average than have somebody who was uh, up from AAA and didn't deserve to be there. And that's probably... A type of player that White Sox fans had to appreciate too much in the last decade, and we're probably trying to transition more towards guys with high ceilings who really click, like uh, you know Gioleó did. And they they want more of that. That's what they're shooting for with Kopech and Cease, and less kind of you know yeoman type innings eaters uh, that defined the last decade.
2: Right, but you're you're all about being fair, James Fegan, and just because Lucas had a great 2019 does not put him on the all-decade team. Damn it. However. Tyler Flowers over A.J. I mean, I'm a sentimental guy here. James, can't we – you're talking about sex appeal. A.J.'s such a better name to throw at the catcher spot, even though perhaps, I guess, according to you, he does not belong there. But Tyler Flowers, I that, that almost like think of him as a Brave more than a White Sox at this point.
0: Uh, yeah, I get that. The, for me, the thing was, if I want to talk about the decade that A.J. Prasinski dominated, it's the one before that, kind right. of like shoehorning to like the last like three years of his tenure, even though it did have his best offensive year. I really associate A.J. with um, the 2000s-like era because that was unquestionably the era of A.J. Um, He was probably, he definitely has an argument for being the best catcher of that decade, but if I really think about the White Sox catching position for that decade, it's Tyler Flowers and then all the efforts to replace Tyler Flowers that didn't go so well. The actual bridge from A.J. to Tyler Flowers wasn't as really disastrous as, you know, kind of what followed for it. So I I felt like Tyler Flowers was kind of the defining thing of a decade where it all became about, we started thinking about catchers in a different way and not just calling pitches, which which AJ excelled at. We started talking about framing and stuff like that, and it was a lot about the White Sox' ability to reproduce that after Tyler Flowers left, which uh, you know kind of defined their decade in, in, in a bad way.
2: Yeah, you you can almost make an argument for James McCann. He's the only one I, I I'm assuming that was an All Star at any point, right? I mean, AJ didn't make an All Star team in the in the 2010s or whatever.
0: So. Yeah, the, the
2: punch AJ campaign was the previous decade. <laughs> uh, it has not been a great decade for the White Sox, but th- you're going to see some amazing baseball at Guaranteed Rate Field. James Feegan, you're going to be covering a World Series. I can feel it. That's 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 the goal, baby, and I I actually think it's going to happen. So, we'll, but uh, still a lot of question marks, but a lot of optimism. What What do you think before you go here? Anything else the White Sox will do before spring training?
0: I, I think there's going to be additions to the bullpen, uh, just because there's always additions to the bullpen every year. But I mean, I don't know if like a switch got split in the past couple of months, but you know, the talk was or past week I should say, the talk was a little cautious about we're not going to try to do something that doesn't make sense for our contending window or try to force it open too soon. We're going to look for long term fits towards now. They're adding guys where you know the purpose of Edwin Encarnacion is pretty pretty clear. That, that's to make the 2020 team as good as it can be. So I think there's I don't necessarily think there's big moves of that level on the bullpen, but I don't think they're going to be conservative about adding to it or just take only flyers on, on minor league free agents and hope they click like Evan Marshall did last year. I I think there's a real mandate to, to do a bit more with the bullpen and add some more depth before, you know, start talking about minor league guys coming back like Ian Hamilton, Tyler Johnson, Zach Birdie and whatnot. I, I, I think they have a, a pretty clear directive to do something there to make it a little bit deeper, so I would expect something like that. I don't know if there's going to be something that, you know, is lighting up on Twitter and, and getting everyone excited to add some you know, 35-year-old relief group think the ball well, but it'll be a necessary addition.
2: Yep. Jerry Reinsdorf clearly, I think it's pretty obvious, wants to make the playoffs and hopefully a whole lot more in 2020. James Feegan, The Athletic, appreciate your time, sir. Thanks for getting on. Thanks for having me. James Feigen, uh doing a great job, as always, for The Athletic. All right. White Sox Weekly with a mention for you that Sox games are better with a group. It's never too early to lock in your 2020 group packets from a diamond suite to a pregame patio party. We've got the perfect space for your occasion. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. White Sox Weekly till the top of the hour, 720 WGN.
0: At the wall, the three eighty gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1
2: White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. Sox fans, single-game tickets going on sale Wednesday, January the 15th at 10 in the morning. You can join us for a season filled with great giveaways and more. Lower-level tickets start at just $20.00. Visit WhiteSox.com for more information. And our discussion with James Vegan today, sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. So, the White Sox, there's been 50, well, of the 50 top free agents this year, 33 of them have signed. One's gone to the Mets, one's gone to the Red Sox, one to the Rangers, one to the Tigers, one to the Cardinals. Two of them to the Reds, Blue Jays, Diamondbacks, Phillies, Twins, Angels, Nationals, and Yankees. Three to the Brewers, four to the Braves, and five, five to the Chicago White Sox. So that just gives you a further idea of... How active the White Sox have been in comparison to the rest of baseball. John Heyman, who does a great job covering the game for the MLB network, most improved teams so far this year number one, the White Sox. Number two, the Yankees, who made a huge bet on Garrett Cole. Number three, the Angels, who made a huge bet on Anthony Rendon. Number four, the Reds. Five, the Rangers. Six, the Diamondbacks. Seven, the Phillies. Eight, the Mets. Nine, the Blue Jays. And ten, the Padres. So even though the White Sox didn't get either of the two big-ticket free agents, Heyman still thinks the White Sox are more improved than both the Yankees and the Angels, which uh, and the Angels, of course, adding a new manager in uh, Joe Madden as well. 2020 ticket packages on sale now. Secure a seat with a 20-game plan. Find the plan that meets your schedule and budget with lower-level plans starting at just $403.00. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-6741. Let's take a final time out here on White Sox Weekly. And then coming on up here, a busy two hours of sports talk. Dave Ennis going to join me at 515. There are a little bit of rumors with Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats and the NFL, which we got to flush out. And if you are interested right now in the college football semifinal game, LSU crushing Oklahoma, it's 35-14. They're only in the second quarter. This is White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN.
0: Yeah, I felt good. Uh, You know, commanded the fastball pretty well through off-speed for strikes. I was able to attack the zone, so no walks, um, not very many hits, so I'm, I'm happy with it.
2: That was Dylan Cease after his first start, and why are we playing that right now? Well, It's a very happy birthday to Dylan C. Celebrating a birthday today who... Hopefully it'll be one of the mainstays in the White Sox rotation here coming up in 2020. Mark Harmon with you. News coming up in two minutes. Upgrade your game day in 2020 with premium seating. Enjoy an all-inclusive experience with packages starting at just 20 games. Cheer on your Sox from the best seats in the house. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. Real quick trip down memory lane. Monday, September 24th, 2018. So not last season, but the season before. The White Sox won on a walk-off from Daniel Palka. They beat the Cleveland Indians. The lineup that night, leading off and playing second base, Yolmer Sanchez. Batting second in left field, Daniel Palka. The right fielder, Avi Garcia. DHing, Omar Narvaez. The catcher was Kevin Smith. The first baseman, Nicky Delmonico. The shortstop, Tim Anderson, third baseman, Jose Rondon, center fielder, Ryan Cordell, and the starting pitcher that night was Dylan Covey. Why am I reading this? It's just a point of things are going to look a whole lot different in 2020 when Luis Robert and Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu and Johan Moncada and Edwin Encarnacion and Yasmani Grandal and Eloy Jimenez and Nick Madrigal and Nomar Mazara are running around along with whoever else the White Sox had. Big time, big time moves for the Sox. Thank you for listening to White Sox Weekly. Thanks to Chuck Garfine for jumping on from NBC Sports Chicago. And thanks to James Feegan from The Athletic as well for joining us today. We're hoping to have Dallas Keichel Rickon coming up in the next couple of weeks. WGN Sports Central is next. News right now.